Good morning, Joy Church. Good to see you guys. Man, I've been to a lot of church services in my life, and uh, this is one of them. <clears throat> no, I'm just kidding. You guys, are, you guys are looking good today. Turn to somebody that you're, I mean, don't make it weird. If you don't know the person next to you, don't be weird. But if you do know them, just be like, you're looking good today. Don't say it in a weird way. Just, you know, you're looking good. We don't want any issues with that, but... Just looking pretty good today. Gussied up for church on Sunday. Man, I am, uh, we have an honor to have a special guest today, but I'm just really just moved today in the presence of the Lord in worship. There's so much power in our praise, so much power in our worship. You know, the, the enemy, uh, the devil does not, does not want us to take ground as a church. Two weeks ago, we had a powerful service at Easter. So many people gave their life to Jesus. So many people came experiencing hope, hearing the gospel. And uh, I, I, I kind of had a feeling then, I don't like to be negative or, or think something bad's going to happen, but I thought, you know, whenever in a, in a military campaign, if you take ground, there's always a counterattack. And I just feel like the, the enemy wants to counterattack. Maybe you felt that in your life. There's been maybe some, something weird, maybe some sickness, maybe you've just been tired, maybe fighting with your wife or husband or whatever. I don't know. But, but what I do know is that we do our warfare in prayer and in praise. Uh, we don't fight against flesh and blood. Um, we, we fight a spiritual battle, and, and this moment today on Sunday and, and throughout the week in our times of praise and prayer is where we do battle. And so today we're doing battle uh, in the spiritual realm. And some of you are like, man, I don't know what this means. That sounds weird. Jake, tell us another joke. I mean, I, what is this spiritual warfare thing? But we are in a spiritual battle, and there's power in our praise. So just we don't do this all the time, but today, man, just give a shout of praise today. Lord, we worship you. You are great. Come on, let's lift it up, church. God, you're worthy. You're moving in the atmosphere. Yes, Lord, we praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. What an awesome time together. Man, God is on the move. You're going to get rocked today. Uh, you're not here for somebody else. You're here for you, right? You know, you, just by showing up at church today, you didn't make uh, God more holy, more awesome, more incredible, more worthy of praise. Uh, you didn't show up here today for God. You showed up here today for you. Come on. And he's going to move in your life today. And do something powerful. So, as I said, we have a special guest today. So excited to welcome our friends Randy and Becky Godot. Could you guys wave a little bit there, right here? They come from, from all the way from Louisiana today to be with us. And uh, we've been partying all weekend. I said 10 years that we'd known each other in first service. But Randy said, no, it was 15 years that we've known each other. And eight out of those 15 have been really good years of friendship. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> But uh, I just want to brag on these guys a little bit. Uh, first on Miss Becky. Miss Becky is one of the sweetest, most incredible women of God that I've ever had the privilege to know. I mean, you have to be to be married to Randy. We, and, so, and you'll see that when you see him. But she's just a treasure and an uh, incredible woman. They have four, four amazing kids that are, are rocking the world uh, and, and, and doing great things for the kingdom of God and just beautiful family. But Miss Becky just carries such a grace and a maturity and a wisdom. And I've had just such a pleasure hanging out with you, Becky, this couple days and getting to know you better. Uh, we don't really want to have Randy without you again. So that's just how it has to be. So you have to bear that cross and come out here and eat good food when you guys come. And then my friend Randy uh, is just an incredible man of God. Uh, the first time I saw him preach, he looked like Jesus. He had long hair. And he's just a wild preacher man, uh, loves people, loves Jesus. But he carries... Uh, kind of the, the, the twin package of being hilariously funny, but also amazingly intelligent. Uh, and just a man that loves to read, loves to study, loves to 
uh, loves to, to, to connect with history and, and the movement of, of the world and all kinds of things. And so because of that, just brings such a, a unique and relevant word. Uh, and, and I believe God is going to speak to you through him today. So would you guys join with me in welcoming Randy as he comes up and brings the word for us today. How many of y'all love Jesus this morning? Come on, shout, shout real loud if you love Jesus. Isn't he awesome? Amen. I just have to tell you, I'm, I am very honored to, uh, to be here and also that my wife is with me and we just love Oregon. We love the Schmelzer family. How many love your pastors? Pastors Jake and Bethany. I'll, I'll make this, we just the whole family. Uh, you know, Pastor Steve and Miss Kim, his brothers, his sister, what a treasure of legacy in a family. I'm just believing God. I'm, I'm going to hold on to that for my own family. How many want that kind of legacy on your family too? The, uh, I met Pastor Jake in 07. I went and spoke at their youth camp. And the second year, and we were in New York City at the time, and I remember I showed up and we went through a brutal season of ministry. And I remember I got out of uh, you know, the vehicle and was fixing to go to my cabin. And Pastor Jake sees me and he hollers and I'm like, hey, and he runs over, picks me up, bear hugs me, starts spinning me around. I went in my cabin and just started crying because I felt like this is, this is different now. This is family. This is my brother right here. And how many know God places the lonely in families? You're not here by accident. You are here just by divine providence of the Lord. Amen. What a wonderful place to be plugged in. And so I'm um, just, just so excited. Pastor Jake's just been talking about all of you all week long. And so I'm just excited again just to be here. The last service, I was just blown away at what God's doing. We live in Shreveport, Louisiana right now. And we actually, about six months ago, began to pastor a church in Homer, Lighthouse Church. And it's a church that's just, they are hungry for God. We're in the same company. And, and so being in that same company means we're, I mean, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Isn't that awesome? I'll tell you three quick things about me real quick before we, we get started. One is I'm Southern, and I've never been more aware of that than when I've been with Pastor Jake and, and, and Bethany. And this is another thing. I think it was around 09 or 2010 when they finally go ahead and started making fun of me to my face, where, where they started talking like they say I talk. And I don't think I talk that way. I don't think I sound Southern, but how many of y'all believe I sound Southern? Raise your hand. Put all your hands down now. Now, my wife's from Arkansas, so she, you want to talk about Southern, that's Southern right there. I mean, she's country, and I love it, and she's got that accent, and I don't think I do. Uh, but anyway, <clears throat> I guess I do, you horrible people. Now, number two is <clears throat> I talk fast, like really fast, which will uh, cause two things, confusion and celebration. Confusion, because you're like, what did he just say? And you can just listen to it on repeat later, or slow it down, or <clears throat> uh, a celebration, because... I can pack a lot in real quick and you get to go home. I, I'm, I don't know if it's true here, but it's definitely true in the South. You're never going to beat the Baptist to lunch. So, <laughs> you know, but <clears throat> with me preaching, you may be able to. And the third thing is that I have the spiritual gift of clumsiness, and, uh, which, which it's a spiritual gift. That, how many of you have spiritual gifts that are unique also? It's not mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, but I have that gift. Pastor Jake Warmy picked me up this morning and had some coffee for me, which Oregon, my goodness, y'all do coffee really well. Like, I'm going to go home addicted. I might need rehab just when I get home. <clears throat> and I'm already hyperspastic. I don't really need caffeine, but I like it. Anyway, um, and, and I, I went to grab it. And he goes, oh, 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 you might not want to, you might spill that. Just be careful. And I'm like, let me just put it back in the cup holder. So I did. And somehow I still spilled coffee on me. I don't even know how it happened. 
I just felt like you should know that. I've shamed myself. Now let's get ready to, to go. Pastor uh, called me last week, and, and we were just talking about the, the series that he's in on Rewired. How many are enjoying this series that kicked off? And as he was talking, um, he just shared a few things, and he says, you know, you can go any direction you want to, but here's where we're at. And I'm like, man, I just want to be a part of what you're doing. And, and whatever you're doing is working, because y'all are making such an impact right here in Eugene and Springfield. How many know you're making an impact? You really are. I'm so blown away. And at just the excellence and just the hunger and the passion, I'm just excited because if you just get wrapped up in politics or watch TV all the time, you just maybe want to go ahead and give up on America. But when you see what's happening right here, y'all are making an impact right here in Oregon. Amen? And, and there are things that are happening in our society and our culture today that, how many know we're living in a dark time? But you know what? We read the best history books about what happened in the dark times. So I believe that there's going to be some testimonies and some books written about what God is doing right here in Oregon and generations to come. We are a part of it. So anyway, I'm excited. Slow down, Randy. Now, so as he was sharing about this series, Rewired, something just kind of went off in my spirit. So um, I've, I've, you know, I kind of preached it the last service. So I'm going to kind of preach it again because I'm just so excited that words are just going real fast in my mind right now. But rewire, say rewired. <clears throat> and there's something so powerful about this. And, and, and I went and listened to the message. I actually listened to it about three times, Pastor Jake's message from last week. And it was just so good. And obviously it's out of uh, Romans chapter 12. And verse 2 says, you know, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God, say let. But let God transform you. How many believe that God could do a lot more in our lives if we would just let him? Let God transform you into a new person. How many know that, that we don't just get a new start in life when you become a, a Christian? You get, become brand new. You don't just get like a clean slate. It wouldn't take you long to fill up another one. You get a brand new you by changing the way you think. Say think. So important. There's a man in the third century. His name was uh, Avager of Pantus, and he was one of the early uh, church ministers, preachers, and he said this. <clears throat> Be the doorkeeper of your heart and don't let thoughts enter without interrogating them first. And he said this, ask them, on whose side are you, mine or my adversaries? How many know that the number one primary way the enemy is going to assault and attack you and to come against you is right here in your mind? In your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, that's where, that's where the battle really does rage. Your spirit is that part of you that's united with God. When you are born again, right, your spirit's just, just connected. Praise God we get a new body one day. When he returns, how many want like a nice, awesome keto body? <clears throat> we get a brand new body, but we have to renew our mind because the Bible says that, that we are being saved, which our mind, our soul has to be transformed by the word of God. And as it is, then we become, the goal is to become like Christ. It really is. So <clears throat> when I came to Christ, I was 16 years old and I, I, I went and partied. I was at a concert, this rock concert, actually in Shreveport, Louisiana. I've been up for days partying with my friends. And on my way home, I dropped him off and fell asleep at the wheel. It was the summer before my senior year. Hit 15 trees and blew up my Camaro. By the grace of God, I got out of the car. And it was a few months later into my senior year, my friend, he's listening to Metallica. The album was called Injustice for All. The song was Harvester of Sorrow. How many know what I'm talking about? And, and he looks at me while he's stoned out of his mind and said, Randy, I've been thinking, which was exciting because Conrad never thought. 
And he says, had you died in your car, you'd have went straight to hell. And all I could do is say, well, if you died, you'd go to hell too. And my only concept of Christianity was this right here. Uh, uh, heaven, uh, hell, and, and Jesus, and the cross, and I love him because you love Jesus. Who wouldn't love Jesus? My, my, my pastor went and tried to share the gospel on the streets with somebody in the South and said, excuse me, sir, do you know Jesus? And he goes, well, I'm American by God. You know, like <laughs> apple pie, American Jesus, you know, <clears throat> shotgun, my four-wheel drive. And, and so, but when, uh, so I went to church so that I wouldn't go to hell and, and so that I could try to learn how to do good things. And when I went to this church, I got so wrecked by Jesus. I wasn't expecting it. It wasn't a profound message. It wasn't anything like that. It was a little small group meeting in the youth pastor's house. And here I am 16, senior in high school, and not knowing that my world is about to get turned upside down. And all I can say is that I fell madly in love with Jesus Christ. Madly in love with Jesus Christ. I would open up my Bible and, and, and it, I didn't need philosophy. I didn't need anything to affect me intellectually. I just believed. And, and I'm so glad that God, he will reach people philosophically, intellectually. How many know there's no boundaries that God can't cross to reach somebody? I mean, he created us, right? Spirit beings with a soul and a body. And, 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 and so he already proved that there's no measure he won't go to to rescue sons and daughters. Hello, the cross and the resurrection. But I fell madly in love with Jesus, so I would read the Bible, and I would just get spellbound and mesmerized by this Jesus. Now, it is possible to go to church your whole life and never really know who Jesus is. Because we've been so inoculated, we've been vaccinated for so long with just a little bit of Jesus that it's like we never really catch the full thing. And so I'm glad that I wasn't an inoculated Christian growing up, but I had this encounter with Jesus that was so transformative that, that nobody told me that God cannot just rescue anybody. So I would go on the streets, I'd go in the parking lots, I'd sometimes just go in the most crazy situations, gang neighborhoods, just to let them know who Jesus is. Because he's so remarkable, right? I'd open up my Bible and go to Revelations and chapter one and just get lost because I'm like, this is my Jesus. He's got eyes of fire and hair white like wool and feet like burnished brass, a, a robe that he's clothed with that goes to the ground, a golden sash. He's got many crowns, a sharp two-edged sword goes out of his mouth. His voice is like the sound of many waters. How many of there's a whole lot of political leaders today? presidents in different areas. You got Putin, you know, I got Zelensky. I don't know if I said that right. You got, we got Biden, we got everybody, but none of them compare to Jesus Christ. None of them compare to who our God is. There is no country on earth that has the best system to how to have a government. That's why when you're born again, we don't even belong to the government of the United States. We are part of another kingdom. There is no kingdom on earth that's not flawed. They're all flawed. That's why we have the kingdom of God on the inside of us and we want to bring it to earth. Amen. So I read about this Jesus and, and I get excited because Jesus wants to invade society. You know, and, 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 and so uh, I think, too, the Bible says that, uh, well, I don't think I know this, in Isaiah 60, that where it's dark, how many know there's going to be brighter light? Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Behold, deep darkness will cover the earth, but I will arise upon you and I'll be seen. So uh, how many want to be a light and light instead of a light and darkness? I mean, light and darkness instead of a light and light. I, do I talk fast, by the way? Y'all okay, though? Can I keep going? Because if I slow down, it messes the whole thing up, and I can't finish. So let me, let me just go. Stay with me. So just spellbound with who Jesus Christ is. He's remarkable. He's amazing. I have no problem. And, and I did this um, a, a few years ago. 
I, I felt like I needed to put aside my Bible reading plan and, and just read through the Gospels. Because I was like, you know what, I just want to see Jesus. So I, I did this for about 13 weeks. I'd start in Matthew on Sunday, and I would just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'd finish up on Saturday with John, and then on Sunday, I'd go right back into Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all the way through Saturday, then back in, and for 13 weeks. And as I did that, something began to happen because I began to see things about Jesus that I never saw before. He became even so much bigger in my life. And, and it wasn't just something I add to my life. I didn't add Christianity to my life and all these other areas. You know, how many know God wants to bless your marriage? How many know God wants to bless your children? He wants to bless you financially so you can be a blessing. How many know he can heal our bodies? But all that is, we have a, a word in South Louisiana, it's a Cajun word called lanyap. And it just means something extra. Who likes some Cajun food? Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's called lanyap, which just means something extra. That's something extra. But God wants to do more than just bless your marriage, bless your finances. That's just easy. God wants to do something inside of you so profound to just revolutionize your life that you know who you are in Christ. And I have no problem believing who God says that he is. God is the only being that exists that can brag about himself and it's not being prideful. He's not just mighty God, he's almighty. You can take all the mighties in the world and they pale in comparison with one almighty. He is almighty God. Jesus is gonna return one day, put his foot on a mountain, it's gonna split in half and his other foot on the sea. There's just no one like him. In his earth walk, we see him, how he's operating and he had authority over nature. There's a story where he's in the boat and the storm comes down, he's sleeping. They woke him up, the disciples, and they're panicking, freaking out. Don't you care we're going to die? And he looks up. It's like, all oh, you of little faith. And the Bible says that he rebuked the wind and he spoke to the sea. A lot of theologians believe that this, was, uh, this storm was demonic in nature because of the time that it hit and the, and the way it caused such a fury so fast. And that when he rebuked the wind, he was actually rebuking principalities. How many remember your pastor was saying the enemy wants to come against the work that God is doing right here and he wants to come immediately? I mean, no, Jesus can just rebuke the wind and it has to stop blowing. And then he spoke to the sea and it had to obey him. Wow, he, he invented nature. He's the creator. And then I have no problem when I see Jesus stepping into situations in the gospels and I begin to get overwhelmed because something began to happen to me because I, re, I began to realize as I was reading through the gospels and still is that I don't have a problem believing that God can move in someone's life. But even though I've preached, I've, I've traveled, I, I love Jesus, there's a part of me, if I'm going to be real, real and vulnerable, that battles believing that God can do for me what he can do for other people. Who's ever felt that before? That I can speak to somebody that may be battling insecurity, walking through depression or discouragement, or just feeling unloved or unworthy, and I can get right there and minister to them, but if it's me... And the problem is that that will affect you when you try to go into the presence of God to pray. Can I be here? Does he want me here? Can he do in my life what I tell other people he can do in theirs? I'm just being real. I'm being a real preacher today, okay? From time to time, people will come up to me and say, Pastor, I just really struggle in this area. I don't believe that God can do this in my life. Or, or, or there's this area of, of, of just shame. I can't deal with this shame. And I'll, I'll do this little practice with them. I'm going to give you some uh, scriptures here in a second, and that way you can go home and feel like you can to church. So just stay. I do read my Bible. Listen. 
And, and they're like, I just say, say it's shame. It don't even matter. I'm like, oh, so you battle shame? Yes, okay. I do too. And I want you to convince me of why I don't need to have shame anymore. And this person who's battling shame will say, well, the Bible says this. And I will make them encourage me. And it's funny that they can encourage everybody else with scripture, experience, and life while they're presently battling that in their own life right then. As, as they minister to me, you know what happens? The light bulb goes off and they begin to experience that freedom. Right? There's a saying that you never really have anything until you give it away. That's not just your finances, but it's, it's who you are and what God has done in your life. I see this man here, and he's, you're kind of shaking your head. you got a black shirt on. see your wife here with the yellow black. Yeah, and you're just shaking. I don't even know who you are, but I bet that there are testimonies you have in your life of what God has done in your life. I guarantee you there's places of probably pain, difficulties, but also triumph and goodness. I mean, we all have stories, don't we, of where God has moved in our life. And I'm here to encourage you and challenge you today because, you know, you are really dangerous when you really believe about yourself what God says about you. That's when you become dangerous. But when we refuse to believe that we are who God's word says we are, then we basically call God a liar. And the Bible says in Numbers 23, God says, I'm not a man that I should lie, nor the son of man that I should repent. If I said it, I'm going to do it. And you know what? There's some broken people here in Oregon. Come on. Some broken people in Oregon. Listen, we, we, plant, we lived in New York City for a few years. We planted a church in New Orleans years ago. And I was at a place called The Wit, and I just felt like I was home. To be honest with you, it was like, ooh, I kind of, hmm. You know, this radar was going on where I'm like, it can get crazy and exciting right here. Right now. Because I just know that God, he can show off right there. Amen? There are hurting people here, and the best remedy is a group of men and women who know who they are, and they know their identity. Okay, so I'm going to do something real quick. I'm going to give you some scriptures that can encourage you and challenge you in your own walk with God. I'm speaking to people today that don't have it all together. Those of you who have it all together, I'm not talking to you. Those of you who have it all together and you've got everything down, when Pastor Jake does that next baptism, which I'll do in the upper room, which sounds so awesome, just jump back in the tub and have him hold you down a little longer so you can go into the sweet by and by. But for those of you that are really battling in the nasty now and now, I want you to kind of lean in right now because I'm going to encourage you. I love Jesus, but yet I'm battling these things. I'm battling these feelings, this emotion, my mind, my soul. And I want you to open up your heart and open up your mind because I believe the Lord wants to encourage you today. You can be set free. God absolutely loves you. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. I love the story in the Bible where the man runs up to Jesus. And, and they, they're all talking to Jesus. And, and, and they said, show us, show us your work so we can know who you really are. And he said, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. It can't be that easy just to say, I believe. And that's the number one area where the enemy's going to fight in your mind so that you don't believe. So you lose hope and you lose faith. All right. Here are five truths. Say truths. The first one is found in Philippians 1.6. And I am certain, say certain. And I am certain that God, who? Who? Is it you? Who? I am certain that God, 
who began the good work within you. Say good work. Will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. God started a good work in your life, and he wants to finish that work that he started. It's not over with yet. Stay on the potter's wheel. He's still working on you, amen? He's absolutely crazy about you. He knows how funky you are. He knows how jacked up you are. He knows how crazy and stupid you can be sometimes, and he loves you relentlessly. Do you understand that? This is Jesus that we're talking about right now. Jesus, the one who intentionally went to the Samaritan well and asked a woman to get him some water who was living in adultery. Says, hey, go call your husband. I don't have one. He says, oh, you're right, you don't. You've had five, but the one you're with right now, you're just shacking up with him. The woman did not leave in shame, guilt, or condemnation. She ran to her city and said, you all got to come here, man, who told me everything I ever did. I don't know that he did tell her all those things, but she felt like he did. And they made a mad dash to get to him. Something about this Jesus, right? The man runs up and he says to Jesus, if you want to, if you can, you can heal my son. And Jesus says, if I can, all things are possible to him who believes. And I love this, this faith statement. The man said, I believe. Help my unbelief. I'm going to tell you right now, you just give, give him something, push something. Just open up your heart and watch what happens when he steps into your life. There is a work that he began in you. It could have happened two weeks ago at that Easter service. You took a step. You just said, I'm going to put a card in the box. I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm, I'm just going to do it. You could have just, just got baptized last month and said, I'm going to take that step. It does, I love this. What pastor told me, he said that, that everything that, that he wants to do is about that next step. Why? Because there's more that God has for you. And, and when we take that next step, you're saying, I know that God is continuing to work in my life. Yes, he's going to work in my marriage. Yes, he's going to work in impossible situations. But guess what? He wants to work on you. I'm going to get selfish right now. You. Me. I want you to know this, that God started a work and he's going to finish it. And it's a good work because God doesn't make junk. The second truth right here. Hello? Philippians 2, 12 and 13 says this, dear friends, oh, I love this right here. You know what I feel like? From the moment we walked in, when I walked in the church, and y'all are a big church, and I feel like everybody's just friends, there's a fellowship here. You know what a fellowship is? It's a bunch of fellas in the same ship. And there's a family. And there could be conflict, but it don't matter because you're family. There's a friendship. And here he says, dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard, say work hard, to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. How many know there is a hard work that we have? The most difficult work we have is to believe that God's word is true, and then to choose to walk in that word. And then it says here, uh, um, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Does it ever feel like sometimes, like I don't feel like I have the strength or the ability to serve God the way that I know the word of God tells me to? Know this right here. He gives you the power and he gives you that desire, that longing in your heart. God would not give you a longing in your heart and not give you the power to accomplish it. Why am I, why am I in this battle? Sometimes God just wants to invite you into the mix of things so you can fight through it with him. Uh, I remember years ago, uh, there's a, uh, Pastor Larry Stockstill shared this story. He's a man who pastored in, in, in Baton Rouge for years, a wonderful church. 
And a man came up to him, they were in his 60s, him and his wife, and said, we've been married for 40 years, never had one fight. He was just talking to him, bragging, and when he walked off, Pastor Larry's wife looked and said, they must not have much to their marriage then. <laughs> the Bible talks about the good fight of faith. I mean, we're in a fight, but it's the fight of faith, and the Bible says it's a good fight. It's a fight you win if you stay in faith. Amen? Uh, here is truth number three. Philippians 3, 12 through 14. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I'm already, I've already reached perfection. Who here, you've not reached perfection yet. But I press on. Look at somebody and say, press on. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Say one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. You cannot reach to what's lying ahead of you if you are always enamored with the past. It's the past. And if you've repented, if you've confessed your sins, if there are failures back there, then you need to leave them in the past. And you need to put your gaze ahead. You are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. I am a conqueror through Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I, I am an overcomer. I'm, I'm, my eyes and my gate is fixed on one thing, and it's called Jesus Christ and everything that he has for me. Amen? But failures in your past, and how many know the failures always want to scream and shout at you? Sometimes you want to shout at yourself, and we will allow ourselves to meditate and rehearse over and recall over and over and rehearse the same thing over and over and over. Rather than say, you know what, that's done. The Bible says this, that God, he said, put me in remembrance, contend with me, and he says, I'm the one who blots out your transgressions for my own namesake, and I will remove your iniquities from you as far as the east is from the west, and I will remember your sins no more. If God doesn't remember your sins, then why are you? So listen, it doesn't matter. Listen, the abuse that happened to you, at some point, the abuse becomes the victor. And the very things that entrap me, whether it's the flesh or just the enemy, because sometimes, you know, we're trying to blame the flesh or we're trying to blame the devil for what just the flesh did. There's a saying, you can't cast out a character problem and you can't disciple a demon. Deal with the enemy and then also deal with your flesh. Deal with the enemy and then deal with your flesh. And know that God is for you, whether it's freedom from your flesh or from the enemy. All right, I'm going to keep going. Truth number four. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I want you to hold on to this. Don't worry about anything. Now, that's kind of pretty all-inclusive. You know what's about to happen? It don't matter. You don't know what's going on. It don't, I don't know how many times in my life I thought everything was all over with. And I look now, and I keep looking back, and I'm like, my goodness, every single trial and circumstance and things that I thought we were gonna, I was going to either be burned up or I was going to drown, and yet here I am right now. It's never over. It's always larger. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the shadow is always larger than the object. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You pray. How long do I pray? Until that peace drops. His peace. It might be five minutes. It may be five hours, but you learn to walk in that all through day. God, I just thank you right now that you're working in my situation. You said not to worry about it. Can't change it, but I trust you right now. I don't know what's going to happen, but I trust you, and I submit to you. Now, let your peace just fall down right now. You got the plan. I don't have the plan, but I know you're going to get me through it, and I trust you. 
and let that peace come down. The last truth right here, Philippians 4, 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix, say fix. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Each one of these truths could be preached on in itself. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Some of you might need to get off your Twitter and your Facebook for a while. Turn off the news. Maybe stop hanging out with some people and having conversation with some people. Get in the Word of God and say, this is truth right here. And I'm going to fix my thoughts on what the Word of God has to say right now. You don't have to know everything. You just have to know one person. His name is Jesus. Amen? All right, now I want you to bow. Come on, let's give the Lord a big shout right now because he's worthy. Amen? If you could, I want you to bow your head. Close your eyes. I'm going to just do something real simple. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's so simple. Religion says if you do enough works or if you feel bad enough for your life, Jesus, in essence, is like you can't even feel bad enough to make it count. You can't do enough good deeds. So he came and gave his very own body and life as a sacrifice. Offered up his flesh. And the price tag for our freedom was some nails in his hands and feet, a crown of thorns, a spear in his side. Humiliation by having the clothes ripped off of his body as he was crucified and nailed between two thieves. Betrayal, abandonment. My God, why have you forsaken me? Why? So that you could have freedom. There's not a place in your life you've walked through that he can't touch that place and turn that situation around. He loves you. He said this. He says, anyone who comes to me, I will in no way cast out. He is absolutely for you. You may be here this morning. You don't have a relationship with God or maybe you've fallen away. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And I just want you right where you're sitting to pray this with me. And we're going to turn the service over. Just say this right where you're at. Say, Father God. I come to you in the name of Jesus. I admit that I'm a sinner. God, I need you. Today, I turn away from sin. And I'm turning my life to you. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died for my sins. And that he was raised from the dead. Jesus, step into my life. I give you everything I am. And from this day forward, I call you my Lord. Amen. Come on, let's just give the Lord another clap offering. He is so good. Amen. <laughs>